You bet. And ready once again to rock and roll. Bring it on. The phone lines. Look at that. Already open for your questions. We usually get an early uh, salvo of calls. So, uh, so yeah, we're ready to go if you are. 416-870-6400, star 640. On cell, email, anytime we refer to during the show uh, or otherwise help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get into that and dig deep into the Pocket Employment Lawyer. You can travel over there right now as we speak at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots coming up on the show uh, this evening, so feel free to listen and uh, chime in when you have any uh, points you're not sure about. If there's something we cover that you're not sure what uh, what we mean, feel free to call in in that regard as well. The biggest employment law violations that even big employers are guilty of. We're going to get to that here in just a bit. Your phone calls, of course. And we always start off with the uh, the week that was, pal. How are you? I love this uh, time of year, John. I know, I know. you do as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, getting ready to spend some good time off and you know, spend some time with the family. Uh, but we're not there yet. And over the last few days, actually, I've been quite busy getting a lot of calls still, a lot of emails. I uh, spoke with a lot of people today alone. Uh, about workplace rights, so uh, you know there, there's still some uh, some questions to be answered. You know, a lot of people in this time of year, there's a lull at work, but it's kind of the calm before the storm. Mm-hmm. The storm being what's going to happen in the new year, because when companies make changes, usually they come up with those changes. Uh, you know, right around now at the end of the year, and they affect those changes after the holidays. So you may find yourself, unfortunately, even though you may not, not have done anything wrong. After the holidays in a situation where there's restructuring, there's cost cutting, realignments, whatever you want to call it, and if you're in that situation, hopefully by listening to this show, you'll know what your rights are, you know what to do, you'll know how to react and how to respond. That's what we talk about. And if obviously, if that is your situation, you know what to do. Also, you got to give me a call at that point. Let's sit down and talk about your rights. Or right now, maybe you have a question. You know, it's the end of the year. Maybe you've had a kind of a, something that's been bugging you all year uh, long. You've been thinking about it. You know, not, don't end the year that way. Call us right now. Let's talk about it. Let's answer those questions. Any workplace issues, bring them on. We're here to answer those questions. But week there was some situations that came across my desk. I actually heard uh, earlier today from a gentleman that had worked uh, for uh, for a few weeks only uh, this past fall uh, in a private school. He had worked there for about five weeks. And after five weeks, the, uh, the school decided, you know what, it's not a good fit. They decided to mm-hmm. part ways with him. Uh, whatever it was, you know, he may have done a couple things, nothing major, decided to part ways. So they paid him for the, the time he worked, of course, and for another week, and they said, off you go. So he called me and he wanted to know, you know, is this right? And he just kind of made this call. He really wasn't expecting anything. He just kind of decided to dot his I's and cross his T's. Right. Well, here's the thing, John. He was a teacher. He signed an agreement for the school year. Okay? He signed an agreement for 10 months. Yep. Uh, and, and because of that, guess what happens, John? They let him go five weeks into it. What happens? You, you know the answer to that. They got to pay off the rest. He ain't getting away with it. They gotta pay off the difference. They gotta pay off yeah. the balance of the contract. So even though he's only been there for five weeks, he signed a ten-month contract as a private school teacher. They have to pay the remaining nine months or so. Even though he only worked there for five weeks, he was shocked. There was silence on the phone when I told him that. <laughs> that's a lot of money, and 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 I'm gonna help him get that. It's not an issue. But I wanted to remind everyone there that's not just teachers. Anyone that signs a fixed-term contract, whether you sign an agreement for a year, for six months, for two years, whatever it is, for a fixed period of time, if the company decides to let you go before then, they're allowed to. 
But in most cases, they have to pay you till the end of the contract. I had a case some years ago where someone had to be paid two and a half years pay. Right, I remember that. Because, yeah. you know what, they, they were let go early in the contract. So it's not just a regular severance that you'd be looking at. It's the difference, the balance of the contract. So if, if you're ever in that situation, you pick up the phone, you call me. We really have to talk about it. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale to reach out for this show, by the way. Want to get to it uh, right away. Bill, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. No worries. What's going on? Oh, I just had some, uh, some colleagues and friends of mine that were saying that uh, their employer was not going to allow them to, if they couldn't basically uh, use their vacation up by the end of the calendar year, um, that they were gonna, they allow you generally to carry over some of that vacation time. Right. But if you if you've topped out your vacation, you're not allowed to take any vacation. You're not allowed to carry over any days at all. So, essentially, to me, if if you have an employee that hasn't used all their days, they are told that they can't use their days. Does the employer not have to legally pay out those vacation days? They can't just like essentially steal them can they so it's a great question so here's how this works so some employers give three weeks vacation or four weeks vacation but there are they have to allow you to carry at least two weeks over so let me give you an example let's say you have three weeks vacation a year and you didn't take any of the vacation the company doesn't have to allow you to carry over the full three weeks but they have to allow you to carry over at least two weeks so they have to pay you out for those two weeks. That third week, because it's something that they weren't actually legally required to give, they can essentially take back. So as, at a minimum, you should be getting either two weeks vacation, or if you didn't take it, they have to pay you out, but not for anything over that. Does that answer the question, Bill? Not not for anything over the two weeks is what you're saying. Exactly. You got so it. If, yes. So, is, so the employer arbitrarily, legally, is not able to just say, um, okay, so maximum of five, one week of carryover, and then if you have, if you're maxed out on vacation, then you're not no. allowed to carry zero over. They no. Buy, if you haven't taken any vacation by law, you're saying they have to give you at least two of those weeks. You got it. That's exactly how it is. Absolutely. And if they don't do that, there's two options. You can get me to send them a letter and give them the uh, proverbial kick in the pants. Or you can file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor, but what you've described, no, that would be absolutely illegal. You cannot do that if the people still have vacation that they didn't take. They have to get paid for that. Okay, perfect. That's uh, that's basically what I was looking for. Thanks. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate that. And here is the number moving forward if you need. This is to get a hold of Lior and his team. one 821 5900 that is the way to go help at employmentlawyer.ca very simple for the email address but for the purpose of this hour 416-870-6400 star 640 on your cell bob thank you for hanging on good evening hi how are you today good sir what's uh, what's on your mind uh my sister she works in a gas station i and it's recently changed management within about the last year i believe now, that new manager, he's bringing other people in from other gas stations. My sister, she was getting like 40, 45 hours a week. Right. He's been bringing these new people in. They're getting 
40, 45 hours a week. My sister is down to like 35, maybe 40 hours, but they give her the opportunity to make those hours up on, say, like a Saturday or a Sunday, when in regards her job was actually Monday to Friday. Hmm. Now, um, if I'm not mistaken, which because I listen to you quite often, would that be considered a constructive dismissal? Or has it been so long that she's allowed it to go on that basically you're SOL, to put it slightly? To put it politely, and and you obviously you know you've used the right terms because you obviously listen to the show. So when did this happen? When did they start messing around with her hours? Uh, it's been uh, maybe about a year. It's yeah. definitely been a lot less than two years. So so here's the problem, unfortunately, and you kind of you hit the nail on the head just earlier. Certainly, this is not something that they're allowed to do. Not even a question. That's a big change to the terms of employment, which is a constructive dismissal. No doubt about it. But because it's now it's been going on for a year, by now she's been deemed to have accepted it. If you told me it's been a month, maybe two months, that's kind of on the high, high end. Absolutely. Constructive dismissal, we could do something about it. But because it's been about a year, you know, give or take, She's considered to have accepted it. She's ex considered to have agreed to it. It's now her new reality. And because of that, there's not much that can be done. That's why it's so, so, so important to act on a constructive dismissal as soon as the changes happen. Yeah, and I've been telling her for the longest time, no, yeah. this isn't right. And, but, well, I guess, unfortunately... For her, too bad, so sad. Should have yeah. with me in the first place because um, I, I am sorry to say that. I have an idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep, exactly. Thanks, hey, Bob. Know. Thank you. I appreciate it, my friend. And uh, any other uh, issues moving forward, you probably know that as well. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. I think we got time before the break to squeeze uh, squeeze Joe in here. Hey, Joe. Good evening. Hi. How you doing? Well, thank you, guys. Uh, great sure. show. Unbelievable. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um. um I'm been with a firm for just over 28 years, and um, just curious, like if if you were to be let go, you know, after this amount of time, um, I have also a pension plan that, uh, like, I'm still under two years before it gets locked in. Like, how does the pension plan piece work? That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. So here's how it works. So so you're owed a certain amount of severance. So after 28 years, you're probably looking at about two years' pay. What that means is that the company has to allow the status quo to continue for two years. They have to put you in the same financial position as if you had worked for, for two years. So they have to pay your salary, they have to continue your benefits, and they also have to continue your participation in the pension plan for that period of time. So if it's two years is the right period of time, then for two years they have to continue your contributions, allow you to participate in the plan, and whatever would have happened in the end of the two-year period, if, if, you, if you're past the lock-in period, then you get to take advantage of that. If you want to know if, if something needs to be included, you simply ask yourself, would I have received this if I had worked there for the next two years? If the answer is yes, then it has to be included as part of your severance. Oh, wow, that's great. Now, does that include the cumulative value as well? Absolutely. Oh, okay. So the, the future two years. Oh, wow, that's phenomenal. 
So if that oh, that you. happens, if you are let go, reach out to me. If there's anything less than what I've just described, you got to reach out to me as soon as possible. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very very much. Thanks, Joe. Joe, appreciate it. I appreciate your time and you tuning into the show as well. That's what we like to hear, man, is when people go, wow, I did not know. Eyes open. That's kind of the uh, the function of what we do here. We're going to take uh, one break here. You want to uh, fill the phone lines in the meantime? Sure, do it. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to toss an email across our bow? No problem. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show right here. It's Global News Radio. Welcome back indeed. The Wednesday night show, the Monday night show, the weekend shows, and on TV as well. Global TV and CTV on the weekends. We are all over. For the uh, the remainder, though, you know the number to call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Before we get to our topic of the uh, of the evening, Lior, I want to talk a little bit about the pocket employment lawyer. That's right. Uh, it's a, it's a great thing to know to have to to have in your pocket uh, and, and there for you when you need it. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca is a tool that I created to allow everyone to have their own employment lawyer. It's as simple yeah. as that. So that's how you look at it. You have an employment lawyer. Hey, do, what where do I call? Do I need an employment lawyer? What what can I do with uh, with my illegal issues? Go to PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Get an analysis of your situation, whether you lost your job, just like one of our previous callers and you want to know what you're owed, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, but it does so much more than that. It can assess whether you're an employee or an independent contractor. It can assess whether the company had just caused to let you go. It can assess whether or not your matter is a human rights matter, a, disc- a, a, a harassment matter. Many other things as well. It's like having your own employment lawyer with you at all time, free by the way, anonymous you don't need to put in a number a credit card number a name anything it's just for your information so before you even call me before you call any lawyer check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca the biggest employment law violations that even the big employers are guilty of all the way from the mom and pop shops to the multinationals and uh, you know a lot of employers don't know they're making these these problems violations and of course the employees wouldn't either right well, yeah, absolutely, and it's it's very important to remember that when it comes to getting things wrong and doing things wrong and, you know, breaching the law, it's not just for small employers. I see large employers, sometimes huge major co- companies and corporations make the same mistakes again and mm-hmm. again, so we want to talk about some of those major mistakes to advise employers, but also for employees to help them identify those mistakes and help them understand what their rights actually are. We're going to get cooking with the first one. Uh, By the way, uh, you can call during this entire time as well with a different topic of your own. No problem. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. But uh, one of the big violations they they all make is this. Don't properly deal with workplace harassment issues. That is not a good thing. No, it's not. And, and John, I have seen this time and time again. Big companies, small companies, uh, complicated matters, matters that should be simple, not dealing with harassment properly. And it's not rocket science, okay? If there's a harassment issue that's brought up to the employer, the employer has to do two things, okay? Investigate it, conduct a proper good faith investigation, and then deal with the conclusions of the investigation. If there's harassment that's determined, fix the problem, deal with that, either through discipline or policies or what have you. So investigate and then deal with it. But a lot of employers don't want to do it. They ignore it. They think it's going to go away on its own. They don't conduct a proper investigation. They try to punish, God God forbid, 
the person uh-huh. actually complaining, which is illegal. You cannot do that. So it's not complicated. And you have a right as an employee to a, f- a workplace free of harassment. You have that right. I, don't, I didn't decide that that's what your right is. The courts have decided that. They've made it very, very clear. And because you have that right, you also have a right to have your employer deal with workplace harassment. So if you have a situation, you're being harassed, being mistreated, you have to at least try to give your employer an opportunity to fix that problem, talk to the owner, talk to HR, talk to someone in a position of authority, let them know what happens, put it in writing, by the way, make sure it's in writing. You bet. And then the onus then turns on to the company to try to fix that problem. If they don't, we can deal with that. We can either force them or potentially get you out of there. But employers, I've seen this time and again, and it's it's really not complicated, not dealing with workplace harassment. That's unacceptable, John. And by the way, to reach out to, to Lior and the crew when the, we're not doing the show, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred employmentlawyer.ca. That is a good place to go to listen to past shows, find the TV show as well. But uh, for uh, the number on this show, as you know, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. James, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Great show. Um, uh, I'm on. Uh, I got approved for WSIB. I got injured uh, while on the job. Um, before this, I would do uh, standby and on-call work. Um, now, now that I've been injured, uh, that's been completely taken away from me. Um, I've been doing that for years, and uh, just curious if there's any entitlement for it because it's a big change in uh, how much I make now per year. How, how big a change? Um, over. 15000 And is there any physical reason why you can't do this work, or are you absolutely able to do it? Um, some of it I'm able to do it, just my employer won't. Because I'm on, uh, I got injured, uh, they don't allow me to do it. But, but you could do the work. If they said, yeah, no problem, come do it, you'd have no problem doing it? Yeah. And, and does your employer know that? Did you talk to them about it? Yes. And what did they say? They said because uh, I, uh, I'm on uh, different duties now, I'm not allowed to do it. So here's the the thing: if in fact you are on, you have physical restrictions that prevent you from doing this. Well, obviously they can give it to you, but if you are physically able to do it, then you they have to give it to you. So here's what I would do: you may have done this, but I would want you to do it again. Kind of give it one last shot. I would speak to your doctor. Have him write a note specifically saying that James is able to do this type of work. Give them that note. If they still don't want to give it to you, then that could be two things. Number one, it could be a constructive dismissal because, as you've said, they've impacted your compensation in such a significant way. They've essentially taken duties, taken hours from you, reduced your pay, number one. Number two, it could also be a human rights violation. If they don't want to give it to you because you have a medical issue, even though that doesn't uh, prevent you from doing the job, that's potentially a violation. It's discrimination. It's a violation of the Human Rights Code. So I want you, though, to be very clear, and I want you to give them something from a doctor. As long as you have that thing from a doctor, if they still refuse to give it to you, that's a problem, and and I want you to call me at that point. Okay. Wow. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. Thanks, James. Appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, don't hesitate to, uh, to call your doc and follow up as well, one uh, 855 That's to get a hold of Lior after uh, we see what, uh, what happened. We were talking about the biggest employment law violations 
big employers make these too. And this one's good when it's up on the shelf somewhere on the seventh floor covered in dust. They, uh, <laughs> they don't enforce their own policies. How about that one? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you can count on big employers having policies. Sometimes, you know, books that could be 100 or 200 pages long of mm. policies and manuals and procedures. But guess what? That book of policies, that handbook, does the employer no good, number one, if they don't enforce it, okay, number two, if they don't actually tell people what those policies are, if they don't have people understand and agree to abide by these policies. The problem if you don't enforce a policy is you lose the ability to enforce it in the future. So you may have an employer that has a, I don't know, a computer use policy that talks about when and when, uh, when you can and cannot use the computer for personal purposes. Well, if they don't enforce that policy, then that policy is meaningless. And if down the road they say, well, now we want to start enforcing it, guess what? It's too late. At yeah. that point, they, they can't go back in time. So uh, to have a policy and not enforce it is a silly idea. And if you're an employee, you have a right to know what the policy is. You have a right to see the policy. You have a right to, uh, to understand it and consider it. An employer cannot just pull out a policy and tell you you're in breach of that policy when it's convenient to them if you haven't seen the policy, if they haven't otherwise enforced the policy, and if you're ever disciplined for breaching a policy in those circumstances, that could be inappropriate completely. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is the number to call through, ask your questions like our callers have so far, so bring it on. We're ready to uh, to talk to you. In the meantime, talking about the biggest employment law violations that are made, you want to keep up uh, on this and listen to this in case any of this qualifies for what uh, what you're going through. Next one is this: Have employees sign employment agreement after, not before, not after they've started working. That's right. And uh, we've had many calls over the years on this show where uh, they're saying, well, my employer now wants me to sign a new employment agreement. What do I do? Well, let's start with the idea that it's always bad news, right? If you're already working and now your employer wants you to sign a new agreement, that's bad news. It, yep. it, it, the only reason your employer would want you to do that is because it contains terms that are better for the employer. Terms that are going to cost you money at some point. But when we talk about mistakes and, and you know breaches that employers make is, is this. If you're already working and the company wants you to sign a new employment agreement, for that employment agreement to be enforceable, the company has to give you something in return for signing it. So if you simply walk in one day on a Wednesday to, to your employer and they say, hey, uh, Joe, we want you to sign this new employment agreement. Okay, no problem. I'm signing. Sign here and you move on. Well, that agreement arguably is not worth the paper it's written on because uh -huh. you're not getting anything in return. You already have the job. So an employer, to make it enforceable, they would have had to give something, a pay raise, a signing bonus, extra vacation, uh, whatever, anything that the employee, you know, a promotion, anything that the employee otherwise would not have received. So I've seen big, huge, large, massive employers get this wrong, have employees sign agreements after the fact. And by the way, this also applies, let's say you're, you just started a job on Monday. Today is Wednesday. You came in today and the employer says, hey, you know what? We realized we forgot to have you sign the agreement on Monday when you started. So here it is. Sign it now. Well, guess what? That agreement that you signed today, even though you started work on Monday, may not be enforceable. Wow. It may not be enforceable because you've already started working. You already have the job. And before you freak out about it, remember, that's a good thing for you, the employee, if it's not enforceable. If the agreement that you signed is not enforceable, all that means is you have the full protection of the law. 
for an employee, it's always better not to have an employment agreement. It's always better to work on a handshake, okay? On a handshake, much better. Very different for the employer. Employer wants to have the agreement. So remember, if you are going to sign an employment agreement, you should be getting something in return for signing it. Does that even count? Say you've, you've signed on. Now you've signed on the line. Now, okay, we have an agreement here Friday afternoon. You're going to start Monday. So the weekend elapsed. Then you go in Monday. Then they get you to sign. It still doesn't matter because you got the job as of Friday, no? Yeah. It, yeah. And not only that, sometimes even in situations, John, where you, you sign before you start working. Right. Right. Uh, it may not be enforceable. And, you know, I've had a couple of cases like that over the years. So let's say, you know, you 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 got a you had a call with the boss. You exchanged some emails. You accepted the job. You've agreed on on, on stuff, and you're starting in in two weeks. Well, a week and a half later, they send you an employment agreement that has different terms to what you've agreed on. Well, at that point, even if you sign it, arguably it's not enforceable because wow. you already had a deal. So. So you have to be careful with these employment agreements if you're an employer and for an employee. If you have it your way, you'd rather not have one at all. Or if, if you have to have one, hopefully it's unenforceable. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell for your phone calls. Bring them on. Love to talk to you with the remaining uh, time we have here on this Wednesday night edition of the Employment Law Show. Coming up here, more uh, some emails, but we're going to continue with the biggest employment law violations even big employers are guilty of. And we, we, we talked about this a few minutes ago. I think it was James. Uh, might have been James. I'm great with names. Uh, don't make enough <laughs> effort to accommodate employees' medical limitations. This one's a big one, too. That's right. It, it is oh. a big one. It may even be the biggest one. Uh, huh? And that was the, the previous call. I think it was James when he talked about the fact that you know his employer won't allow him to do his job, etc. But when it comes to accommodation, an employer has a very strict duty to accommodate. And we often see that, uh, as you said, when there's medical restrictions, maybe you need modified duties or modified hours. Uh, maybe the company needs to find a way to help you do your job because you have some physical restrictions. And those obligations, the obligations to make that happen is a very strict one. And an employer has to do it even if it's not easy, even if it's difficult, even if it costs some money, they have to do it. Now, of course, at some point, it may be too difficult to do it, and, and the company won't have to. I won't, won't have to do go that far. But in most situations, and I've seen this time and time again, the company pull, puts up their hands and say, no, no, this is too much, mm-hmm. well before it actually reaches that point. So they don't actually meet their duty to accommodate. They, they say they don't want to. They, they think it's too difficult. And that's, you know, we talk about big companies. That's especially a problem for a big company. If we're talking about a huge company, I don't know, let's say a bank, is just as an example. A bank is going to have thousands of employees. It's going to have many departments, resources, shifts, what have you. So it's going to be able to provide accommodation. It's going to be very difficult for a bank to say, we just cannot accommodate. It may not be as difficult uh, for, for a small company to say that we can't accommodate if there's only one or two employees. Yeah. But if a company won't accommodate, in most cases, that is a problem. You have a right to be accommodated. As long as you have something from your doctor that outlines what your restrictions are, the company should accommodate unless it's extremely difficult. Talking about the biggest employment law violations that even big employers are guilty of. You know, you said that one could be the biggest. I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to say <laughs> this one is the biggest we see, and that is discipline or terminate a pregnant employee. Look out. Yeah, and it, it's it's luckily not as common yeah. as the previous one, but it's probably worse, Yeah, if, 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 if anything can be worse. It's it's a terrible situation, and really here at the end of 2019, we, we shouldn't even be talking about this, but we are because I still see that happening. I see that happening a lot more often than I should. 
uh, an employer not uh, dealing properly with a pregnant employee or an employee taking a parental leave, mm-hmm. either trying to find a way to get rid of them, uh, not to bring them back, or maybe try to discipline them so that they quit or, or they try to come up with a reason to let them go. None of that is legal. That's a breach of the Employment Standards Act. It's a breach of the Human Rights Code. It's illegal. It's one of the most basic legal rights that an employee has in this province, in this country, is the fact that you should not, under any circumstances, be mistreated because you're pregnant or because you're a father taking a parental leave. That is illegal. What does an employer have to do? Well, they have to treat you properly with respect, not let you go, not discipline you, bring you back to the exact same position with the same pay, even if it means getting rid of the replacement that they had working Mm -hmm. while you're off on a leave. That's it. There's no exceptions. There's no, well, maybes. You have to do it. And, John, I hope that in 2020 I won't have to talk about this as often. But uh, something tells me we probably still will have to. Still have time to call in, ask questions about any of this if you wish. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on your cell is the way to go. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Next one on the list of the big violations is offering inadequate severance. That was the whole point of the show seven, eight years ago. Okay, maybe this one is the biggest one. Yeah, right. (laughs) Tough to figure out which one is the biggest one. But you know what? This one probably is the most common one by far, by a mile. Uh, And it is, you're right, the reason why we started this show all these years ago was the fact that employers, big, small, anything in between, when they terminate, don't know or or hope that the employee doesn't know how much severance is actually owed. They offer inadequate severance. Now, John, I've been doing this now for, gosh, 17 years. Thousands and thousands of people that I've spoken with over those years uh, that that have lost their job. I've looked at their severance packages. So I have a a wide sample that I can, uh, you know, call back on. And I can tell you that in over 90% of cases, the severance offered is completely inadequate. I am not talking about inadequate in the sense that they should have given someone 10 months and they've offered nine months. That would still be inadequate. But I'm talking about something where they should have offered someone 10 months and they've offered three. And that's the types of cases that are so common, 90% of the cases. So you have to assume, you absolutely have to assume, if you've lost your job, I know there's a shock there. You're looking at that severance letter. It may not even make a lot of sense, but you have to assume that you're one of the 90% plus of people that are offered a lot less than what they're actually owed. The reason you have to assume that is because if you don't and you sign that offer and you realize later, wait a second, they owed me another $50,000, it's going to be too late to do anything about it. So you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, you call me, you do something smart about it because otherwise you'll find yourself in a situation where you walked away from entitlements. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is your first stop even before the phone call. You want to carry on. It is anonymous, by the way, but if you choose to contact uh, 1-855-821-5900, that is right at the top corner of the Pocket Employment Lawyer website and a yellow contact button uh, as well. going to take a uh, phone call in between here with the, uh, the remaining time. Derek, good evening. How are you? Uh, good evening. Not too bad. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? I have a question with uh, how many times uh, can you sign a contract, like company signing the contract with you for a year, mm-hmm. then before the year ends, they signing another contract. Is That can be going for a year, or they have to, at one point, they have to say, now you're going to be our employee. Good question. Great question. So, so, so here's the. It's a great question. Here's how that works. We can't stop the company from doing that, 
But this is where the law comes in and says, wait a second, if you've already signed more than probably three of these contracts, the law is going to consider you to be a regular full-time employee. So regardless of what the company, the company may still think that you're under that contract, but the law after about usually three of them is going to disregard that. What that really means is this. Let's say you've been signing a contract every year for eight years, as an example. And now after the eighth contract, the company says, well, now we're not going to have you sign another one. Now we simply need to let you go. And they may think, we don't owe you anything because the contract has expired. No, 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 not so fast. Because the law considers you to be a regular employee at that point, they'd have to pay you severance like a regular employee. So usually once we go beyond three contracts, those contracts become meaningless. So we can't stop the company from saying, you know, sign the contract. But what we can do is make sure that they actually have no legal effect. Uh, is that, does that make sense, Derek? Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate that. So if, if that's the case, say he's on his third contract, third year in Derek's case, and they decide to say, yeah, we don't need you anymore, and they let him go. Uh, if he's considered an employee, is it from that day, or does it go back the entire three years to measure? So, or in the eight-year case that you put out there, are you an eight-year it's employee? It's the whole time. You're an eight-year wow. employee the whole time. So you, you get severance like that three or eight years, however many years you've been there. Nice. So, I, and I, I've seen this happen. We've talked to people on the show. I've talked to dozens of people in that situation in the office where they've kind of signed a new contract year after year after year. And at some point, the company says, well, now we're not going to do that anymore. Now we're just going to end the contract. We're going to let you go so long. Again, not so fast. They may have to pay full severance in that situation, John, because after about three contracts, they become meaningless. I want to get to another call. Kylie, thank you for uh, for hanging on. Good evening. Hi. Go ahead. Um, I'm just curious. Um, I've been working for a company for about eight or nine months um, doing sales, and they just hired a new person who's doing the same job as me, probably a little less. And I recently found out they're making more money than me. I'm just curious if that's illegal. Like they, like I am a female and they are a man. I'm just wondering if that's yeah. So, so it's a tough one simply because if they're paying you less because you're a woman, clearly that's illegal. That's a human rights violation. Full stop. Right there. The problem, of course, always is going to be, well, how do we establish that that's what's happening? They may say, well, no, he just negotiated harder, you know what I mean? Or we thought he had this, these additional uh, skills or experience, what have you. So if, in fact, it's one of those things, and, and the best way to do that is if there was a, you know, let's say there was five of you. You're one woman, there's four guys, all the guys are making one thing and you're the, the one woman making less. Well, at that point, clearly it starts looking like discrimination. It starts looking like a human rights violation. Yeah. But if it's just the two of you, I suspect it's going to be very difficult. What I would do if I were you though, Kylie, is I, I would talk to your employer and say, listen, I understand that this guy is making this much. I've been here longer. I think I have more experience. I think out of fairness, we should, we should have uh, some equality in income. A good employer is going to be receptive to that. If if uh, they refuse, well, that tells you something about the employer. I do think if it's just the two of you, it may be difficult to establish a human rights violation. Okay, fair enough. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kylie. Appreciate uh, your call and your time as well. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it for an email here. We got a couple minutes. Uh, get to to Joseph. Joseph writes in again. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Joseph says, "How much severance should I be getting if I worked for a company for almost twenty years, but I took three years ago, or pardon me, but three years ago I quit for a few months, and then I came back to work." 
And that, that's a great question. And the law often is able to disregard small gaps. So okay. if you've you know, been there for 20 years, but in, over that 20-year period, there's so, several months you weren't there, in 99% of the cases, you're going to be considered to be a 20-year employee. And, and this is very important because the company may say, no, no, you're only a three-year employee because you just came back three years ago. And that severance could be massively different. It could be the difference between getting two years pay and getting four months pay. So it's a massive difference. That's especially true if the company didn't have you sign a brand new agreement. They didn't treat you like a new employee. Yeah. So there's a lot of things we want to look at here. So I would want Joseph to give me a call. But in many of those cases, John, we can disregard a gap of employment. There is a bit of a threshold, I guess. I guess if you've been there for two years, you took a year off and come back. That's that's different than 20 years with a few months, obviously, right? Right. The, the gap uh, has to be relatively short in, in comparison to the overall length of employment. That's nice. a small percentage of it for it to be disregarded. We are done for another evening. Thank you for all of your calls and reaching out. Appreciate your time on the show as we uh, do it every Monday night, Wednesday night, the weekend shows as well, and uh, also on Global TV and CTV on the weekend. So check the website for that, uh, employmentlawyer.ca. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email now that we're done. And the phone call, 1-855-821-5900. And always reference right to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. On Point returns right here. Global News Radio.